This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. The Dust Bowl, or Dirty Thirties as some called it, was a terrible time for the United States. The American landscape was bountiful for many years, but just as the American Indians warned, the inhabitants of the nation did not take care of the land. Gutting the land of its nutrients without care against erosion and decay produced a land that was quickly turning into nothing but worthless dust. Combined with drought, the erosion worsened. It affected 100 million acres of land, especially that of Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Colorado, and Kansas. But when the Great Depression hit, times worsened. Not only were the families of this nation suffering from debt, from gambling bank notes against unregulated and highly crooked stock markets, the land that they owned quickly became mostly worthless. Presidential candidate Roosevelt visited New Albany in 1933 to describe his New Deal. Roosevelt promised that under his presidency he would establish new programs to help with not only the financial problems but also the decaying state of the nation. And William Branham was there for this event. He describes it several times in his ministry, somewhat angry that he had to be in the back of the crowd instead of being on the platform next to Roosevelt. In 1959, he says this, One time down in New Albany, Indiana, when our late president, was Roosevelt, was coming down to make a speech, and he came down by the train and they stopped down at the river, I tell you, every place was filled up. And two or three of us preachers little, what we would call Holy Ghost preachers, I tell you, we're taking a back number we was. They wouldn't let us get nowhere. So we had to stand way back somewhere. But I thought, yeah, this is the day of man, but wait till the day of the Lord comes. President Roosevelt was actually the nation's saving grace. Roosevelt knew that if he could put the more than 25% unemployed back into the workforce, they would regain hope. And hope is very powerful. So, in 1933, Roosevelt established 
the Civilian Conservation Corps, or the CCC. This was a public work relief program that operated until 1942 and employed a total of 3 million men in the United States. Workers from 18 to age 25 could work for $30 a month for six months, of which $25 a month must be sent to their parents. They also had to commit to an entire six months, but they could re-enlist for six-month spans up to two years. The earliest recognized year that William Branham gives for his birth date, for his birth year, is 1907. Speaking to the followers of the cult false prophet John Alexander Dowie, Branham claims that he was born the very day after Dowie died, which is 1907. He tried to promote himself as the Elisha to Dowie, who also claimed to be Malachi IV. But you see, the CCC did not allow any person over the age of 25 to be enrolled in the program. 1933 minus 1907 equals 26 years old. So to benefit from this program, William Branham could not use the birth date of 1907. A year after the program began, 1934, William Branham married Amelia Hope Brumbach. And on his marriage license, instead of 1907, Branham claimed to have been born in 1908. This is an official public document in public record. Branham uses the title Game Warden in his sermons, usually stuttering after he says the word conservation. He would say, conservation, <coughs> game warden. <laughs> His descriptions lead you to believe that he also participated in the banknotes that caused the stock market crash. He's extremely in debt, which all were who gambled their money on the stocks before the crash. 1951 Life Story, he says this, Now I remember I had to the patrol I went on, that's when I became into the conservation, <coughs> working as a game warden. <laughs> I had to work. I was in debt everywhere. But there was one small problem. Work was still scarce, and now he's married, and everyone was struggling. 1908 would have only gained him one year. So after signing 1908 on his official marriage license, William Branham started claiming to have been born in 1909. Now, in 1935, very good, thing happened, good things happened to the New Deal. It was a huge success and started receiving over a billion dollars in funding for the CCC as well as to establish other similar programs. And to those who were in the CCC, the age limit increased. It increased to 28 years of age. One such program created was the Works Progress Administration, or the WPA. Under that program, new development of different types of business were created, especially those that would supply even more as arts and entertainment type of business. Under the WPA, even ministers could be paid for their work. In 1959, 
Branham mentions the line to receive money from the WPA and his compassion towards others in the line. He says, describing one young man, he says he had several little children and a loving, lovely wife. They were poor as poor could be. We all were. He says, and I seen standing on the line, lined up to wait for that WPA check to come. The mailman come up the street. They were so happy. The other, the next day was Easter. They were going to buy some Easter candy or something if, when, Daddy's check came in. And when the mailman came, he didn't have Daddy's check. To see that disappointment on those little fellows' faces, and it always stuck with me, such a disappointment. Now, considering the type of work that the CCC performed, the title to this sermon is ironic, Planting the Vine and Where to Plant It, 1959. You see, whenever William Branham mentions working in conservation, <clears throat> there are several blank spots in tape, but instead of the normal editors placing blank spot in tape dash ed, there is a dot dot question dot dot in those types of stories. So did the homosexual Gene and Leo know that when they slipped out, snipped out these portions of tapes, or is it the editors of Voice of God recording? We don't know. But here's an example of this. In 1955, sermon entitled The Second Coming. He says, and now finally we're not here to take up finances. I wish we didn't have to take up one single offertory in the, in the meeting. But as soon as the, I never took an offering in my life. Never in my life did I take any offering. And, but in my church, when I was pastor there as a Baptist minister, for 12 years I never received one penny salary, but I worked for others. The Lord's making me healthy so I could work. So why not work and pastor? That's not the standard for every pastor because dot dot question dot dot a minister of the gospel can't go out and pray and then come into his church dot 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 question dot dot he's got the visits among his members and so forth and these little tithings from ministers from members and their offerings could certainly take care of him and I think the labor is worthy of his hire but in my case I was working in conservation ahem dot dot question dot dot the CCC took these men all over the nation. And specifically, it was called in to help with disaster relief following the 1937 floods in New York and Vermont and Ohio and the Mississippi River Valleys. There's no record of William Branham being a game warden in the state of Indiana. And his understanding of wildlife would actually suggest otherwise. He did not even know that eagles were birds of prey, birds that eat carrion. Quite frankly, many of the cult followers, though many with passions for hunting to be like their great prophet, do not even have knowledge in that area. Such a follower, if you were to present them with a picture of an eagle eating roadkill, they'll start going into strange convulsions of denial. And honestly, if Branham were in Roosevelt's tree army, as it were called, and if he lied about his age to get there, he was not alone. There were many starving to death, lost, home, land, possessions, and more. It was a time in history of America that you did what it took to both survive and to provide for your family. But you see, 
most men will grow up and own up to their lies. Out of the hundreds of lies that William Branham told during his ministry, not one single apology was given. In fact, when he was cornered, Branham seemed to tell a bigger lie to hide the smaller one. And what is dreadfully wrong to continue using the false birth date of 1909 and tell a Pinocchio story about fortune tellers and angels to sustain it? It's shocking when you read the life story sermons or sermons like early spiritual, <laughs> spiritual experiences. Many of these stories are about riding on Greyhound buses or trains, which was common to those working for the CCC, and how he spoke of a fortune teller. The WPA project, the LC project, had many sections devoted to literary works for American folklore. And one part of that project was fortune telling. There were many types of American mystics that got involved with the program that focused on different types of spiritualism. Is this where William Branham learned the many types of Wiccan spiritualism that he weaves in and out of his sermons? 1952, William Branham describes the fortune teller associated with his bus ride for the conservation work. He says, and I thought, that's not, not gentlemanlike, but I don't want to talk to her, see? And I waited there. She said, say, you the conservation officer, said, can I speak to you for a minute? I said, what do you want? She said, could I speak to you for a moment? I said, what do you want? She said, I was a little nasty of you to act as a man, so just and different, I know. She said, are you a Christian? I said, no, what's it to you? <laughs> she said, well, I was just wondering. She said, did you know that you were born under a sign? Oh my, I said, look lady, I don't know nothing about that, see? Not knowing to give you any short answer, I've got a mother at home. And I said, I don't want to know nothing about that. She said, oh, don't be so hard. Won't know nothing about that stuff. She see, she said, I know, I know nothing about it. I know nothing about religious things. I don't want to know anything about it. And I said, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I just kept looking ahead. She said, my. And she said, you shouldn't act like that. And I said, well, I don't mean not to be a gentleman, but I, she said, look, this has nothing to do with religion. She said, I'm on my, on my road to Chicago. We was on a Greyhound bus. She said, I'm going to see my son, which is a Baptist minister. She said, I work in the White House. She said, do you know the first thing, do you know that this White House, that this United States and all the astronomy and how they do, now, I'm going to reread that last sentence. To those of you who have now studied Freemasonry, think of what he's saying right here. Do you know that first thing? Did you know that this United States and all the astronomy and how they do? What, whatever his influence, Branham wove early American folklore into his sermons. His first Bible, he claims, was nature. He claimed that the first Bible for the children of Israel was the Zodiac. He was deeply involved in numerology, which is a pagan practice that to this day is followed by Hindus. Deuteronomy 4 says this. He said, the Bible says, And beware lest 
You raise your eyes toward heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them. Here's the key. And serve them. They were idols. Things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. The first Bible was not the Zodiac, although it would have been a great portion of Balaam spiritualism. Balaam, who William Branham praised as having the same anointing as Moses. But the perilous times of financial distress, drought and famine and wars and rumors of wars, produced many men just like William Branham. When men fear a common enemy, that fear increases, and men turn to strange ideas for hope. Many times during the turmoil, men will start to claim that the end of the world is coming, and they'll seduce followers to believe them. Branham did it for practically every single event during his ministry, from the world wars to the overturning of the Mosque of Omar to Kennedy and more. But causing an entire world of good Christian people to believe in pagan worship of numerologies and angels and more, which is idolatry, had these Christians been founded in the scriptures, in the word of God, they would have recognized that it was in direct conflict with 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul writes, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. In other words, there's no need. Don't worry about it. It says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Paul writes, While people are saying there is peace and security, it says, Then sudden destruction will come on them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Though William Branham's fear tactics persuaded many, many times of turmoil, it's persuaded many people, they are not part of Paul's roadmap. Paul says that there will be peace and there will be calm. It will come on us without us being aware of its coming. Paul's followers were prepared. To his followers, Paul next says this, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day will not surprise you like a thief. For you are children, you are all children of light, children of the day. He says, We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. In fact, Paul call, next calls those who are crying wolf during the times of turmoil, he calls them drunk. And not just drunk, but he calls them drunk at night. They are both sleeping and drunken. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. So what should we do? Keep reading. Next, Paul says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and a helmet of hope and salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Here's the key. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, 
just as you are doing. That's the best advice of all, and it comes directly from the Apostle Paul. Encourage one another. Build one another up, not in earthly things, but in knowledge of the Scriptures. Cult leaders, they keep their followers enslaved by these chains of fear. They're constantly scaring people with fears of war and political unrest and more. Branham did it often during his sermons. Listen to this one in 1958. But I said, I'm not allowed to tell you this, he said. They're fixing to do away with the army and with aviation and the aviator corps and so forth. Said they don't need them no more. They got weapons so deadly that they could destroy the whole earth in one second's time. Boo! And said... If they would let that be known, the people would go panicky into the streets, screaming at the top of their voice. Said they've got a bomb that would drop on the earth, just as one bomb would blow up 175 miles around, over 100 feet deep. Boo! That's not it. That's not the way you preach the gospel. I will never begin to understand what drove my fathers and my forefathers to listening to nothing but fear. It has created a whole family of conspiracy theorists, and they're constantly looking for the next big disaster to come. Sadly, I know that there are some members of my family that are more on the pushing fear side than on the receiving, and it hurts me. Knowing that this type of oppression causes severe and chronic depression, like I struggled with from age 16 until recently. I wish there were more men like the Apostle Paul. I wish there were more men like Paul today who encouraged and supported and lifted others up. Not just the staunch religious types either, but also the sinners and the struggling, those with addiction and those with fear and doubt. We need more Pauls in this world and far less Branhams. Oh.